There's a dimension beyond space and time, a dimension beyond what people even call self-actualization, a dimension where people are always living life to the fullest. It is an area where we call the Coder Corgi Podcast. Welcome back to the Coder Corgi Podcast. Today's guest is a very special one. It is my friend Jess, who hosts the best open mic nights in the realm. Uh, the acoustics in this place are incredible, and it, it never fails to bring joy and is just the highlight of every month that I have in San Francisco. Welcome to the show, Jess. Hi, it's nice to be here. So Jess, I heard you were working on a nonprofit now. How does that work? Yeah, so um, in 2021, uh, my brother died. Uh, he took his life um, after being in a, in a psychiatric hospital. And uh, since then, I've wanted to change how we respond to people having a mental health crisis. Um, and so I started Psych Crisis, uh, which is a nonprofit that's working on that problem. Um, I got some funding from Emergent Ventures, and um, the first year has been learning a lot about other projects and about how they've tried to make changes. And then we're working on doing something of our own. Ah, uh, what are you guys approach? Uh, there isn't one specific approach. The approach has started with the with a question, which is something like, why has this not already been solved? Um, mm. And looked at um, all of the other projects and what approaches they've taken. Um, I would say one approach is that instead of thinking that one treatment is the answer, there's sort of an assumption or, or a, a hypothesis that um, it's something more about the combination of treatments in context um, that will work for a particular person rather than any individual treatment. Hmm. So. Cool. Uh, yeah, thanks for telling us about that. Well, let's dive into our standard questions, mm -hmm. uh, where this podcast is one about authentically aspiring towards self-actualization. You're getting yourself in an inspiring state. And with that said, what kind of things inspire you? Um, so I get inspired by anything that makes me feel more alive um, and things that I love that I feel love towards um so uh the things that make me feel more more alive and more myself are often very invigorating like um uh kinds of like playing music or singing music with people and also um actually church services hmm. um and then in terms of things that I I love that's very specific to me it's like the people that I the people that I love you know in my work it's uh, hearing about the situations people are in and, and the kind of awful things that are happening to them that draws me into wanting to do something. It sort of like pulls me up out of my seat into like helping. So yeah, mm. those are a couple of, couple of things. Okay. But a lot of things inspire me. Uh, it pulls, your, pulls you out of your seat. Well, like metaphorically in the sense of like my body gets more energized, uh -huh. you know, I think or I learn about someone who you know, uh, was forced into bad psychiatric treatment and it just, my whole body wants to go help them. It's like, it's, mm. it's a kind of natural response. So it's really just like a, getting out of the way of that response happening. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, how about like, if, if you feel like fatigued, if you're in like a low energy state, like what are some things you can do to get yourself in like a, a very energized and like engaged state and like, yeah. So, I mean, I was in a pretty fatigued state today and um, 
again, people I love. Uh, so I went to my partner and I was like, can you love me? And he was like, yes. Uh, and, and that's partially just like, you know, when you're in a team like that, then sometimes it'll be your low energy day and sometimes it'll be their low energy day and you're sort of going to bat for each other, um, which is one way of helping. The other thing is like, I'm a plant. So like sunlight and water and like going outside. Um, and then the other is like assuming that there's a reason for it and like trying to figure out what that reason is. Um, you know, sometimes it's like something about sleep or sometimes it's that I'm actually wrestling with some kind of emotional thing that I'm not really acknowledging and finding that emotional thing frees up a lot of energy. And then I feel, yeah, more, more awake. Ah, troubleshooting the root cause, it seems like. Lack of love, lack of sunlight, lack of water, lack well, of sleep. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't describe the problem of fatigue being, like, lack of sunlight. It's more just that, like, it, when a, a human like me goes in the sun, it warms them up and it makes them feel more energized. So if you're in a lot... But sometimes you might be too energized and you don't want to be any more energized, so you wouldn't go into the sun. You might, you know, be a bit quieter. So it sort of depends on what state you're in. Oh, interesting. The reason I moved to Seattle is actually being in the sun de-energizes me. Interesting. Um, Does it... What happens? I I just, like, feel, like, uh, lazy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I just feel like basking in the sun. Yeah, so I think that is true for some kinds of sunlight. You feel really warm and sleepy, and then you're like, hmm, I don't want to do anything. Um, But, and so that's why I'm saying it's it's dependent on where you're already at, you know. If you are feeling sort of cold and a little numb or something, like in the environment we have right now in San Francisco, like having a bit of sunlight is like really nice. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Let's say you don't have any of these like usual stuff, like you don't have uh, like an external source of love or sunlight or, or water or any of these things. Like what are uh, other things you can do? Like So I tend to do a lot of art, like making art, specifically writing poetry and songs as a way of feeling seen so if I'm feeling like sad and tired then like if I I notice that like a song arises out of that then singing that song will make me feel like connected to myself um which is often a way that like I can get energy out of the situation of feeling tired and sad and frustrated or whatever it is um so that's that's one when I was like kind of locked away in the pandemic doing a lot of singing and just like feeling the the music like the, the sound in my my body was very important um that and uh i pay a lot of attention to buddhist teachers and there are some that i really respect and admire and so like listening to their teachings is going to be pretty reliable um uh so pema Chodron is one of those when she's like um you know in an audio of hers i feel it feels like she's being caring, even though I can't, you know, even though she's far away. What was her name? Pema Chodron. Up oh, Pema Chodron. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Shoot, what was my next question? <laughs> hmm. Uh, how do you, like, think about your life trajectory? If you, like, uh, take a step back and it's like you were kind of like a point on this, like, curved line with the left side being the past and the right side being the, the future, like... Yeah, so, um, I mean, I grew up in a pretty standard uh, life where I was from, which is Australia. And 
so the first, a lot of the first part of my adult life was, was participating in that. I did like university and, and then a master's degree, but there was a period afterwards that felt like it was something like untangling. Mm. So I was, I was unlearning a lot of sort of really exhausting strategies for trying to do what I needed to do in, in the world um, and feel certain things or not feel certain things. So I had a period of a couple of years that kind of overlapped with the pandemic that was very internal and very like essentially like letting all of these layers fall off. Mm. And now I focus much more of my energy on like it feels much easier to do what I want to do and um, be the person I want to be. And it feels much more like I'm in a period of finding the life that I want and settling into it and a little bit stereotypically like settling down, but it's not driven out of like a feeling that I should do, but it's like a deep desire to like, you know, find my person and mm. find my home and have a family and have the work that I want to do be like every day in that. And so that's like sort of where I've been at at the moment. Um, and then I just imagine that the next couple of years will be something more like strengthening or becoming becoming more capable of being the person who lives that life. Hmm. Yeah. Mm, that's beautiful. Hmm. Uh, what kind of changes do you, do you see you like bringing into life either directly or indirectly? Um, or like th- through your life, like what kind of changes do you want your yeah. life to bring? <laughs> so, um, as I mentioned that period that I had of getting to unravel and untangle a lot of things, it made me, um, much more res- have a lot more respect for the 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 value of um, something like not adding more suffering to people's lives um, and and being you know actively kind but at the very least not adding more suffering and so in the work that I'm doing what I'm, I'm aiming to do is quite like systemic change in not adding more suffering to the lives of people who are suffering quite a lot. Mm. Um, and then in my own life, both through my relationships and the people that I love and also the, the art that I make, I'm trying to like be more, be direct and, and just be loving and make people feel like loved and respected and, and warm and worthwhile and stuff and just have that be the default you know, for them. That's... Hmm. Huh. How do you make that be the default for people? Well, I mean, you can't really make that be the default for someone because that's already sort of got a frame of, like, I'm competing with whatever your default is. Um, I think that the best way is, is sort of... this. An, um, there's an analogy with um, people who look after animals where if you get... If you're a horse trainer and you get a, a horse that's been badly abused and they come to you... You, you don't start by like trying to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. You just stand nearby and let them come to you and let them know that you're not going to hurt them and let them know that you're safe. And so I think about doing that a lot with people. Like I often can't, I really want them to think that I'm safe and trustworthy and stuff, but I can't, like they're going to f- have whatever views of me that they do. So I can, you know, stand there and keep offering like here, like here's something you can trust, here's something you can try, you can come here if you want and you don't have to, uh, if you don't want mm. to. Um, so what that ends up doing is is being quite quiet and patient and also being willing to take a lot of tries, you know, 
let people try to, to connect with you and then fail and then try again and just like accepting that when people are changing the way they relate it's there's going to be a lot of false starts hmm hmm um would some would be some advice you would give to your future self 10 years in the future my future self I have no idea. I hope that woman has a shit together more than I do. Like, I mean, I mean, just in the sense of, I expect her to be more knowledgeable, to know more things. I would, I would check something. I would just say something like, are you looking at every moment as it is? I hope you are, but if you're not, here's a reminder. You're looking at every moment as it is. Yeah. Like without, like, you know, is, is the quality of your attention direct and simple and you're not putting a bunch of conceptual overlays over it are you just seeing things as they are hmm. because that's you know that's the the way i aim to live my life and so the only thing i could tell her is if she'd forgotten that i'd be like pointing it out again is that like more layers conceptual overlays sort of i mean it's like i'm standing here and i'm currently cutting bacon and i'm talking to you and my experience of all of that happens at this direct layer that has no words, no concepts. I'm just like feeling the way that the scissors feel mm. and like listening, hearing the sound of the, the bacon cutting and the way that it hits the bowl. And I could be, I could be relating to this in a way where I'm like thinking, oh crap, like that bit's going to fall or, oh, it's too burnt or, oh, I'm worried that I'm distracted from the thing that we're doing. And, and I'm not really actually just cutting the bacon mm. and talking to you. Um, and when you spend all the time in that layer of like commentary, when that's where your attention is, you're missing what's actually happening. And you get very, very confused and there's a lot of like suffering involved in that. So... Mm, in, in like being distracted away from paying attention to the present. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, like, when I pay attention to the present, I am kind of something, like, more intelligent because I'm able to perceive more. You know, I can just... I can pay attention to everything and not just what I'm thinking about in that moment. Mm. Oh, I think this is really relevant advice because, like, as years pass, you, like, pick up more responsibilities. You might have more things demanding your attention and yeah. you might just, like, find yourself. Well, this is one of the things that uh, my partner and I were talking about a lot today is is how do we, as we get older and have more responsibilities and take on more challenges, still keep that clarity of perception and that directness and not sort of get swallowed up by life mm-hmm. um and it's pretty important to us so that's i hope that that i'm still able to keep that um when i'm older hmm. Hmm. so like um what kind of concrete steps would that be it was just like developing more like a habit of mindfulness and yeah um so some like of it is, is there's a lot of you know stuff that you would be able to see if you watched mm. me which is like sitting down on a meditation cushion or reading a book um, a meditation book or going on a retreat or something mm-hmm. and some of that is stuff you wouldn't be able to see like f- noticing the felt sense of what it's like to cling on to a thought and then just like allowing that to release oh. in every in every moment and you can't tell if someone's doing that is that Eugene Jenlin's uh, focusing? no um, different. no it's more um, I heard felt sense well is, the f- <laughs> felt sense is a term that's just more generally, uh. Jenlin 
refers to it, but it's also what you're paying attention to if you go on a Vipassana retreat or something and you're mm. meditating on the sensations in your body. I'm just meaning, it's not anything special. It's just like the okay. sensations of your, your body. Gotcha. Um, but like when you've done that a lot, you can, for example, notice what it feels like to, um, to have a thought, like you can feel the feeling of the thought and you can feel like, wow, like there's a sort of like grabbing around it. Like mm. as if I really need this thing to happen and I can't entertain the idea that something else might happen. Mm. And you get sort of like fixated. Kind of like it. wrapped up in the expectation. Yeah, and you can sort of notice in the moment that that's happening and then just like just like breathe and like let a little bit space in. And that's the sort of habit that I would want to keep doing. Um, and if I forgot that I could even do that, I would probably want to go back to teachers or go back to people that I know who are also practicing this and be like, hey guys, I need some help. Mm. You know? Wow, wow, this has uh, gotten very introspective. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some different advice you give to your past self 10 years ago? 10 years ago. Um, I think I got, like, one of the things I'm very grateful that I did do was start to learn to do things based on what they felt like. So, like, you know, eating food based on if it felt good to eat and mm. like talking to people if they felt good to talk to and, and um, listening to music that felt good to listen to, which like sounds really obvious, but if you really commit to doing that, you're actually like, you become quite opinionated and quite like, you know, you're not just going along with the flow. And I think I started doing that when I was about 24 or something. Um, but like, you know, I could have done that you know, if, if I had done that a little bit earlier, it probably would have been a, a really beneficial thing to do. The other thing is, like, I grew up somewhere where um, there was less in the way of an intellectual culture and less and fewer people that were both, like, intellectually alive and vibrant and also, like, had some sense of a spiritual practice and also very emotionally grounded and, and like, emotionally fluent. And when I moved to the Bay... I found those people. And so I might have just said, like, hey, move to the Bay earlier. Like, hmm. you know, I moved here when I was 26, but, like, I could have moved here when I was younger. And that would have been a whole, you know, different uh, part of life. But a lot of a lot of it was just, like, I would do what I did, but earlier I, I wouldn't do different things. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. Hmm. Let's see. Do I have any questions in closing? Hmm. What question would you add to the show hmm i would add whatever question is the one that is the most unanswered for you personally for you jeffrey like what do you want people what do you want to know from people ah uh, so what am i most curious about from yeah. you yeah. Hmm. and maybe for your own life you mm. know? What is the most uh, beautiful, magical experience you've ever had? And how can you recreate that, re-manifest that in the future? Most beautiful, magical experience I've ever had. So already comparing them is pretty... Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just like... It... What is one that really just... I would the first say that comes one, to mind. <laughs> one that I would describe is there are ways of 
there are experiences you can have during sex that are just a lot more relaxed and a lot more beautiful than people expect. And that it often involves, as I said, that thing before about only doing the things that really feel right for you to do that you really want to do um, and connecting with people who feel really right for you. But yeah, I would, I would definitely say there are, yeah, experiences of sex that are amongst the most magical. Thank you. Yeah. I would love to interview for you for three hours. I'm like, oh, there, there's just so much depth. I, I do want to keep these compact. I feel like you should interview now. Uh, thank you for coming to the show. Yeah. <laughs>